Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 182 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice where we provide advice and assistance to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. If you are an employer or an employee who's having a problem at work and you would like some advice, then you can get in touch with myself or any member of my team for a free, no obligation consultation. You can contact us by email. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk or by telephone on our head office number, which is 01983 897 In this week's episode, I'm going to be covering the changes or proposed changes to flexible working and a little bit of a recap on the flexible working regime as it currently stands. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. Now, as I was saying, I'm going to be covering off the government's consultation in relation to potential changes to the flexible working regime, as well as a recap on what the flexible working regime states currently in relation to the legal requirements that employers are required to follow. Now, many of you may have heard about the flexible working consultation because it hit the headlines when initially it was proposed that flexible working would become the default so that in essence one of the proposals was that an employer would have to justify a decision not to offer flexible working rather than it being a situation as it currently is where employees would make a request for flexible working that would then be agreed by the employer. So on the 23rd of September this year 2021 they published the government published a consultation document called Making Flexible Working the Default. And this is off the back of the fact that we are starting to work differently as a result of the pandemic, but also there were changes in the way people were working pre-pandemic and more of a move towards the ability to work flexibly. Now, the initial idea behind the consultation, as I say, was to remove an employer's right to refuse a flexible working request so that in essence an employer would have to grant a flexible working request unless they had a reasonable excuse for refusal. However it was quickly recognised that actually in practice this may not have worked and therefore other proposals were being considered to encourage some flexibility from both sides on the matter. Now the consultation ended on the 1st of December and the outcome should be published shortly. And once the consultation has been analysed and put together the outcomes of it, then the government will look at whether there will be any changes to legislation as a result. So either way, it's not likely to be a change that happens quickly, but it's certainly something to have on your radar for the potential for the future. So what is the current policy in relation to flexible working? Well, currently, there is a legal right to make a request for flexible working, which I'm sure you're aware of. And this can be a request to reduce or vary hours or times of work, a request to reduce or vary days of work, 
or a request to work from a different location, for example, in a different office or remotely from home. And if an employee makes any of those requests, then it should be treated and dealt with as a formal flexible working request. Currently, an employee with at least 26 weeks continuous employment can make a flexible working request. So an employee has to have been working with you for at least six months before they can make their first flexible working request under the law. Now, of course, within your own organisation, you may have a different policy or you may have a more flexible (laughs) regime in relation to flexible working requests. Oftentimes, employers will allow employees to make requests and it's at their discretion to, to grant them outside of the normal legal requirements. But as a very minimum, an employee has to be employed for 26 weeks if they are following the legal flexible working request regime. And again, to be eligible to make the request, an employee must not have made one within the last 12 months. So if an employee makes more than one request in 12 months, You don't need to consider that second request under the legal regime, but again, you may have in mind that you would do so informally or under your own policy or procedure. By law, once a request is received from an employee in writing, the employer needs to deal with the request in a reasonable manner and within a three-month time limit. Now, that three-month deadline can be extended by mutual agreement between the employer and employee if, for example, a trial period is required. So let's just say an employee makes an application for flexible working and you as the employer think that possibly you can agree it, but you'd like to trial it first. Let's say the employee wants to work from home uh, part of their working week and you just want to see how that goes in terms of their performance and productivity and communication. You can agree potentially a three month trial period on that and therefore agree to extend the time limit within which you will decide finally in relation to their flexible working request. Now, if an employee wants to make a flexible working request, then their request should be in writing. Um, It should have a date on it and it should set out the following information. The first thing is it should state that it's a flexible working request under the statutory procedure. It should state the changes that are being requested and a proposed start date for those changes. The employee should try to include any impact the change would have on the business and proposals about how to deal with those impacts and also state whether they've made any previous requests. It's advisable to have a flexible working policy within your handbook and if you'd like to download a copy of a flexible working policy you can do so on our website which is realemploymentoradvice.co.uk forward slash DIY hyphen documents and in there you'll find it. Or alternatively, you can search on our website in the search box for flexible working and you'll find that policy will come up for you there. But it is advisable to have a policy in place so that if an employee inquires about flexible working, you can direct them straight to the policy which will set out exactly how they make that flexible working request. Now, if an employee makes a request verbally or in an informal correspondence like an email or something and you're not sure that they've fulfilled these requirements, and you want them to, you can go back to them and say, if you'd like to make a flexible working request, I suggest you have a look at our policy. Or if you don't have a policy, you can say, can you set out your flexible working request in this format and tell them the information that you will require from them. Now, once you receive an application for flexible working, as the employer, you shouldn't delay. Obviously, it's good employment practice to deal with things as quickly as possible 
and only delay where entirely necessary. It provides a lot of uncertainty for an individual who's made the application if you do just drag your heels. So at least firstly acknowledge the request quickly and then have a meeting as soon as possible with the employee to discuss the request in further detail. And that's really important to have that meeting, especially if there is limited information in the written request. Having a meeting with the employee will also allow you to discuss any alternatives, to raise any concerns and also to obtain the employee's thoughts or or feedback on any of the points raised and any alternatives that you may have come up with to their request. Now, ACAS recommends that employees who are requested to attend a meeting for flexible working should be offered the chance to be accompanied at that meeting by a colleague. And I would endorse that recommendation and say that you should, when inviting them to a meeting, say, if you'd like to bring along a colleague, you're more than welcome to, obviously, to help you and to accompany you and make them feel a bit more comfortable. But of course, it's the individual employee who should be stating their case and answering any questions. It is possible that when you receive a request for flexible working from an employee that you don't need to hold a meeting and that you can agree with them the required outcome or you might have an alternative that you want to put in writing to them to consider. So if it can be accommodated, then you don't need to hold a meeting. Although if you do have to hold a meeting, once the meeting is held, we recommend that you consider the request fully taking into consideration any matters or points that are raised at that meeting. So you should give it your full consideration. If you decide subsequently to accept the request, put this in writing to the employee, setting out the start date of the new arrangements and that it constitutes a permanent change to their terms and conditions of employment. Now, if you are making a change to an employee's terms and conditions as a result of a flexible working request, there are two ways of doing it. One is by providing them with a letter that amends that particular term of their terms and conditions and it states that everything else remains the same or you could issue them with a whole new contract setting out those terms. It's a good idea to issue a whole new contract if for example the employee's contract original contract is quite old and you need to make some changes just to update it or if there have been some changes in your organisation that you want to reflect in their new contract it's a good time to issue those terms. Sometimes employers who want to introduce new terms that may not be as favourable to an employee or wouldn't be agreed otherwise may choose this as a time to do so. So for example saying well we can accommodate your change but you need to agree to these additional points in your employment contract. Now again I don't necessarily recommend that you follow that route because if you are making wholesale changes to employee terms then it's advisable to consult on those. But it is something to consider if you are looking at a flexible working request and you do need to make some changes to their contract template. As I was saying earlier, if for any reason you're uncertain about the proposal for flexible working and whether it will work or not, you can agree between you for a trial period that will help you to make a decision on whether that becomes permanent. And if you do agree to a trial period, which may extend the three-month deadline for dealing with them, original flexible working request it's important that you put that in writing as an agreement between you and if you are setting out for example a three-month trial period I do recommend that you have dates for review within that three months rather than just leaving it for three months before you have any discussion about how it's working. Now if for any reason you need to reject the request for flexible working so having considered everything 
you decide actually we can't do this, then there are currently only eight legal grounds which you can rely on for rejecting a request. So if you reject a request for flexible working, you must have one of these eight reasons and you must state that that's the reason for your decision. Now, the eight reasons are one, the burden of additional costs, two, detrimental effect on the ability to meet customer demand, three, the inability to reorganise work among existing staff, four, the inability to recruit additional staff, five, the detrimental impact on quality, six, the detrimental impact on performance, seven, insufficiency of work during the periods the employee proposes to work, and eight, any planned structural changes. So you can have any one of those or more than one if there are more than one that fit this particular scenario. They are quite wide and in most cases, if an employer is refusing a request, they can usually cite one of those reasons as being the reason for that uh, rejection. Now, by law, employers don't need to provide anything further in their explanation as to why they have rejected that request. However, my advice is to try to provide some kind of narrative to accompany one of those eight reasons, just so that you're giving the employee a fair chance to understand why it is that, for example, there's a burden of additional costs that may mean that you can't agree to their request. It is, of course, important to get the reasons right and to give, as I say, due consideration to the request and to understand that an employee may be entitled to bring a claim in the employment tribunal if you get it wrong in terms of the reasons or the process that you follow and you have rejected an application. And of course, employees have the right to appeal against that decision if they wish to. So to summarise, the legal requirements in relation to how you handle a flexible working request are set out very clearly and are easy to follow but it is important to understand that you must follow those steps and in particular in relation to the reason why you might reject an application. So what are the proposed changes in relation to flexible working under the legal regime? Well there are currently five changes that are proposed. The first is to make the right to request flexible working a day one right. So that means that they don't have to have been employed now for 26 weeks to qualify to make an application. Now, whilst that might seem attractive to employees, actually, in reality, it's unlikely, in my view, that an employee would make a request for flexible working if they've been employed for less than six months or at the start of their employment. Although if they remove that qualifying period, then of course an employee could start work with you, um, agree their hours of employment and place of employment, and then a week later, ask for flexible working. Whilst that may be a right that's introduced, as I say, I think it's unlikely that that will happen. And of course, many employers already allow employees to make an application at any time and are a bit more flexible about the whole regime anyway. The second proposed change is to look at the eight business reasons for refusing a request and to see if they are still reasonable and valid. So it is possible that there may be some changes to those business reasons, either a tweaking of the wording or maybe the addition of um, some more business reasons for refusal. The third proposed change is the requirement for an employer to suggest alternatives to the arrangement that has been suggested by the employee. 
So this is where the employer may be required if they're going to refuse an application for flexible working that's been made by the employee to suggest alternatives. Currently, there's no obligation on an employer to do so, although I'm saying it's good employment practice to consider alternatives and look at ways in which you can compromise. It may be that this is introduced into the legal regime, making it compulsory for employers to consider. Four could be changing the administrative process um, that currently underpins the right to request flexible working. So maybe looking at the current three-month deadline, either making it shorter or longer or allowing more than one request in a 12-month period. So there is a possibility that there could be changes to some of the ways in which flexible working regime currently works. The fifth proposed change is about raising awareness of the existing right to employees. So it could be that employers are encouraged to inform employees about this or perhaps have some way of notifying staff that it's a possibility. Um, so again, there, there could be a change to the flexible working rules so that you have to highlight this as a possibility to staff in certain circumstances. Again, until the consultation has been analysed and published and then put before the government to be made into law and we don't know exactly what's going to happen. So it's just looking at some of the proposals that were highlighted in the consultation. So how will any proposed changes actually work in practice? Well, it is possible that, as I say, employees may have a new day one right to make a request for flexible working. This could present some problems for employers potentially, although if they keep the current eight business reasons for refusal, then I think an employer faced with that situation who wants to refuse a flexible working request from a new employee would be able to justify it with one of those eight business reasons. It could create additional administration for employers if employees are allowed to make as many requests as they want in a year, for example. Um, it may mean that employers could become overwhelmed with the number of applications. I think it's unlikely, but it's a potential if that one per year is removed. And I do think it's unlikely that there are going to be wholesale changes to those eight business reasons for refusal. There needs to be weighed up within the whole process here the ability for employees to make an application and to be considered fairly, but also an employer's ability to be able to manage their business and not have to be overly burdened by introducing flexible working changes that may not work for the business. I think ultimately, unless some radical change takes place in relation to the flexible working legal regime, it's unlikely to have a huge difference. I just don't think personally that the Conservatives have the appetite for making a wholesale change to the flexible working regime. And with lots of these things, and what I've talked about in the past, the changes are actually being driven on the ground by employers and employees. I think an employer who doesn't look at flexible working these days and doesn't embrace potential applicants who want to work flexibly will struggle to recruit the right talent and good quality loyal employees in the future. So yes, whilst there may be changes to the legal regime, actually what is happening within good employers and good HR practice is that flexible working in practice is being agreed much more readily and being looked at in a much more fluid way 
than the legal regime requires. So just to summarise, in relation to flexible working, there is a legal regime that employers must follow. And if you get that wrong and there's a dispute with the employee, you could end up with an employment tribunal claim against you. But more importantly, I think employers should have a policy in place which embraces the possibility of flexible working, working within what the business parameters can cope with, but also encouraging a better work-life balance amongst all staff. And I do think that actually one of the things that's missing is employers highlighting to all staff that they have this right to make a flexible working application. Because many times employees still believe that it's just available to those with childcare or caring responsibilities. But actually, the flexible working regime under law is available to anyone. So there we have it. That's a quick rundown of the current flexible working process, the consultation highlights, and some things that may change in the future in law. If you have any questions about flexible working or you want any information or advice, then you can get in touch with me directly. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. I will put some links in the show notes for this podcast on our website and within the show notes on all of the places that you find the podcast with links to some more resources about flexible working including that free flexible working policy that you can download on our website. All the information you may need is available at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. I hope that you have a fantastic two weeks and look forward to bringing you the podcast again in a fortnight. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast, but please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.